Hey, welcome back to View from the Couch. My name is Rich Davenport. And and I am Jennifer Davenport. She's Jennifer Davenport. How you doing, Jennifer Davenport? I'm doing pretty good, especially yeah. because this is being released on Tax Day. Tax Day. We made it. We Woo. did, right? Finally. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Folks, anybody that doesn't work tax season doesn't really know what we're talking about. But those of you who do know. They know. And <laughs> I am and I'm not saying that anybody that works in other other industries can't have as stressful a time as tax season. But what I am saying is if you haven't worked tax season, you don't know about tax season. Those who know don't tell. <laughs> and those who tell don't know. Anyway, today to celebrate our liberation from tax season 2020. Well, I guess is it 2022? Is that what we heard? Because we're we're talking about 2021's taxes. Right. Right. So do, but it's considered twenty two tax season, though. Okay, so the, so to celebrate our liberation from the twenty twenty two tax season, we are to we're going to be talking about a movie from twenty twenty. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I know. We're going to go back and we're going to talk about our old buddy Gerard Butler. He of three hundred fame, in a movie called Greenland. Now. I think this movie might have flown under the radar for a lot of people. Did it fly under the radar for you? It it did. I, again, hadn't heard of this movie. I think you started showing me some previews for stuff to do coverage on, and you're like, what about this one? And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's cool. Looks cool. Let's do that one. Yeah. This is one that I kind of stumbled on, honestly. If I hadn't... Okay. If I hadn't just seen it like pop up on Netflix or wherever the heck I saw it, I would have never... I would have never. Oh, so known you weren't this. aware of it either? No, I had no idea about uh, that this movie even existed until until I, you know, <laughs> until I rolled over it accidentally and it started playing its trailer, and you know, and here we are. Caught so, your attention. Caught my attention, right? But much like other asteroid films have caught my attention, right? Like asteroid and comet films, like Deep Impact or 2012 or. I'm not going to say the A word because I hate that movie. But <laughs> I know you hate that one. Yeah. I'll say it because I like it. Armageddon. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> but that's one of those movies that I don't, I just. You have issues and that's a whole nother podcast. But wow. Thank you. Uh, you are not a fan of that movie for sure. I see what you mean. I have issues with that movie. Not you just have issues with that movie. <laughs> yes. I, okay. All right. I wasn't saying you had issues. I know right. it probably came out that way. But... <laughs> that's exactly how okay. That's exactly what you said, though. You, well, you said, got problems. So let's you just said, <laughs> you said, I have problems and that's a whole other podcast. So I'm thinking, <laughs> are we launching something new here? <laughs> Should we launch a new show called uh, called Richard's Issues? I mean, oh God! Look, okay, all right, all right. Here's my elevator pitch. It is, it is. Richard has issues, and it's all about comics. Boom! Ah, oh, there you go. There you Copyright go. Richard Davenport, 2022. Don't try and steal it. I'm wa- I'm watching all of you people, all of you folks. I'm watching you. Don't steal my thing. That's my thing. Anyway, but we're not here to talk about my future podcasting. We're talking about we're talking about the movie Greenland. Now, Jen, you should be giving folks 
a taste of who's in this movie and who made this movie and all that. I would love to. Please take it away. All right. This movie was directed by Rick Roman Waugh. It was written by Chris Sparling. It stars Gerard Butler as John Garrity, Morena Baccarin as Alice Garrity, Roger Dale Floyd as Nathan Garrity. We also have Scott Glenn in here as Dale. He plays Allison's father. And that's your main core of people. There's a lot of other people in here, but those are the people we mainly see. Right, right. Now, you know this director, right? You've seen his stuff before. I believe I have seen, what was the other one he did that I saw? Angel Has Fallen. Angel Has Fallen, yes. I saw that one. He is set, as I understand it, he is set to come back to that that movie series in in another movie, so... The Angels Have Fallen one? or the It's called the Has Fallen movie series. Oh, is yeah. it? So there's, okay. Yeah. So there's going to there's gonna be another one. But he's not, he's not most famous for directing. You know what he's famous for? I do not. He's a stuntman. He did all kinds oh, of stunts. Oh, really? Yes. On just about everything that you can think of. Days of Thunder, Tango and Cash, Hook. He was in Last of the Mohicans. He was on last action hero gone in 60 seconds he has done a ton of of stunt stuff okay yeah he's known for that and he's made this jump into into directing which i think is really cool i mean you know he he started out with a little movie called in the shadows it's a a thriller film so this is kind of his forte right it's about a hitman and uh, it's got Matthew Modine in it. It's got James Kahn in it. Joey Lauren Adams from from the Kevin Smith universe. But anyway, he he is like I said, stunt guy turned director. So, all right, you want to tell us a little bit about the what happens on this movie? <laughs> Do you want me to? Is you talking about the plot? Is that what you mean? <laughs> yes, please tell me the plot. I will tell you the plot of the movie. <laughs> all right. Atlanta, I was trying to flare it up a little bit. You blew it. <laughs> I die. Yep. <laughs> Atlanta engineer John Garrity is estranged from his wife, Allison, and their son, Nathan, who has diabetes. He and Allison are trying to make it work. And as such, they're having a party to watch a near-Earth passing of an interstellar comet named Clark, which is named after Arthur C. Clark. The way they spell it, I'm guessing that's what it is, with their neighbors. As John and Nathan shop for party food, John receives a message from the Department of Homeland Security telling him that he and his family have been selected for relocation. Returning home, he sees on television that a piece of the comet, which is now fragmented, has entered the Earth's atmosphere and is expected to land in the ocean near Bermuda. The home is hit with what appears to be an earthquake, and the television news turns quickly grim. The fragment that was supposed to hit the water has instead obliterated Tampa, Florida, and much of the state itself. The earthquake they felt was actually the tremor of the comet striking the planet. The Homeland Security message plays again on the television, causing John's neighbors to become concerned because they did not receive notifications. After packing up to report to Robbins Air Force Base, John is informed by his neighbor that the new estimates bring the planet into a direct collision course with the comet, which will continue to fragment and wreak havoc as an extinction-level event. 
When they reach processing on Robin's Air Force Base, they realize that they left Nathan's insulin in their vehicle outside the base, so John tells his wife to get on the plane, and he will meet her there once he has retrieved the medicine. After he leaves, the military personnel inform Allison that they would not be allowed on board, as no one with a chronic illness is allowed in the shelters that they have set up. Allison and Nathan are expelled from the base. John arrives back at the base and is told by one of the airmen there that about what happened so he leaves to try and find Allison and Nathan but they've already gone to a pharmacy to find medicine for Nathan who is starting to become ill after obtaining the insulin he so desperately needs she hitches a ride with a couple named Ralph and Judy Ralph subsequently throws Allison out of the vehicle and kidnaps Nathan in an attempt to get on one of the planes in Kentucky Meanwhile, John hitches a ride with some others who were turned away from the base. He learns that the planes are flying to Greenland, where the super-secret bunkers are located, and that private flights are going from Canada as well. Ralph and Judy attempt to pass as Nathan's parents at an evac site in Kentucky, but they're arrested when Nathan outs them as kidnappers. Nathan is relocated to a FEMA camp, where a desperate Allison finds him, and with some help from a kind FEMA nurse, the two are to be transported to Allison's father's house and given a week's supply of insulin for Nathan. John steals a car and makes his way to his father-in-law Dale's house just before Allison and Nathan arrive. They realize that they have a chance to get on one of the civilian planes, but they have to leave right now and race the clock as the largest fragment of the comet will strike in 24 hours and wipe out 75% of the Earth's population. Dale gives them his truck, but decides to stay behind. John, Allison, and Nathan drive to Canada, where they persuade the pilot of the last plane out to take them with him. As they fly to Greenland, another fragment strikes, causing the plane to crash land. The survivors, including John and Allison and Nathan, flag down a military transport and are allowed to enter the bunker just as the planet killer fragment strikes, devastating the planet. Nine months later, the military personnel in the bunker are attempting to contact other survivors in other countries as the Garrities and the other survivors step out of the bunker for the first time into an almost alien landscape to rebuild society. And scene. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. Thanks. So the insulin thing came into play a lot faster than I thought it would. Like I knew they were planting that, right? They were the kids right. got diabetes. They, they, I was not expecting it to come into play that quickly. The way I thought they were going to play this out was like, you remember, you remember the movie signs with Mel Gibson and um, Joaquin Phoenix for the most part, the one kid had asthma and mm-hmm. it came back like, like we knew he had asthma and they played on it a little bit. And then it came back at the end of the movie. Right. In a way that kind of ruins the movie a little bit, but if you ignore it, it's actually still a decent flick. Anyway, the way that I thought they were going to do it was the way they did that in signs in that they were going to talk about the insulin at first, and then it was going to come into play at the end. Like the kid was going to get drastically sick and they had to stop to do the insulin. And then when they were going to make their way into the bunker and still make it or something like that is kind of the way I thought that was going to go. And I even wrote down, you know, that the, the diabetic meds are going to come back into, into play later, guaranteed. And the, sure, sure as hell, they came right back right away, right away. I kind of like that they did that though. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it gave it, it's a little different, something yep. a little different. And it gave you more urgency mm-hmm. through this whole thing. Yeah. And it's also what separated mom and dad. Yep. So yeah, we it, each have, so now we have two journeys to get to where we're going. Right. It throws you off kilter, right? I mean, 
we're talking about act one, right? Or act, not act one, act, act two, right? So basically almost the middle of the movie and automatically we've got this, this major issue that has to get resolved. <laughs> and it's kind of the driving force for, like you said, narratively, it's the driving force for splitting them up and sending them on their paths, right? Because they split up because of it, but then she doesn't have it and he does, and she has to get the kid medicine. So mm-hmm. she goes off. Otherwise, if she had stayed there, knowing that the husband was going to come back, then you know they would have been they would have been fine. But because she needed those meds so desperately, she goes to Walgreens or whatever the hell it is. So narratively, it really kind of drove the story for you know maybe a third of the movie. Yeah, the only thing I thought was weird with that whole thing right at the beginning is. You know, they were handpicking the people that were going to go to the bunkers. Wouldn't they have also done thorough research on the families and wouldn't they have known that this kid had this issue? You would think And they would have found somebody else that is trained in his profession to replace him. (laughs) Right, right. You know, I give the movie credit, though, because it, it actually it actually calls that out the military personnel are like, this should have been taken care of beforehand. You should right. never have gotten this. And, yeah. and so it kind of speaks a little bit to the breakdown, right? Of societally, the breakdown where, you know, we're talking about folks that, and they call this out too. We're talking about folks that aren't on the list, helping people who are on the list mm-hmm. get to live basically. And in reality, let's face it, it's the government putting this together. And if you've tried doing anything (laughs) with the government, you'll know it's kind of sometimes hectic and chaotic and they don't get stuff right all the time. So that's that comment smacks of it smacks of someone who just went through tax season and had to deal with the IRS. <laughs> I have to, well, we've been dealing IRS crap for two years, but yeah, right, it's, right, yeah. it's I, I guess it makes sense to me. You're talking about just a world ending event mm-hmm. and it's going to be chaotic and there's going to be stuff that falls through the cracks. My first thought when this was all happening, I'm like, why wouldn't they have checked that ahead of time? But right, you are right. right. Reality stuff's going to happen like that. But I also thought mm-hmm. the people before the first comments were hitting, they were very calm for something like this happening. I mean, I would everybody like well, they thought it was just on gonna, earth. They thought it was just going to pass by and that there were only going to be small fragments that were going because this happens every day. Small comets hit like small fragments of space debris hit the earth all the time. But this was supposed to be like a light show and just like pff, nothing, you know. So is this again? government and the scientists just not telling everybody what's going on because you would think they would have known that you i mean they they had to have known that they had to have known that this is exact that's exactly what it is the government didn't tell and they even they even said that later i think uh that they decided not to tell people to so they not to not cause a panic right which Which it would have yeah right which actually kind Mm -hmm. of smacks of some you know things that went on in 2020 actually which mm-hmm. this movie kind of would have predicted actually uh, if you think about it because it would have been filmed in 19 before the covid stuff was going on and the oh we right. didn't want to cause a panic thing came out which <laughs> anyway we debatable because they caused a panic anyway i mean you remember the great toilet paper thing of 2019 or 2020 Oh yes, I remember Two that. Years ago and I still I still have flashbacks when I go to the <laughs> toilet paper at Walmart. I do like though that 
they were showing us the good and the bad of yeah. the panic of people, because that I think is reality. While you do have stuff that's really negative and scary, and you are going to have people react poorly to this, you will still have people who are kind mm-hmm. and who are trying to do the right thing. And I do like that this movie showed both. Right. Yes, absolutely. I also think that it it was very, very realistic to the interaction that Allison has with the airman who is trying to explain to her that, you know, that they can't get on the plane. She says, what if it was your kid? What if it was your family? Mm-hmm. And you see the look on the airman's face as she just kind of musters up every ounce of strength that she has to just look at her and without like freaking out and say, my family was not selected. It wouldn't be my family. You know, like there is this calm acceptance on her face, but you can tell that there is turmoil brewing underneath all of that. The way that the, the way that that actress pulled that off was really phenomenal. Honestly, you felt it. Yeah, I I think it's interesting to have this portrayal of these military people still continuing with their duties, knowing that there is a earth ending event coming up and they're they're doing that instead of home with their families. I mean, I wonder how much of that. I mean, hope to God this never actually gets played out ever, but you know what I mean? I wonder how much of that would actually be them staying doing their duties versus, you know what? It doesn't matter two days from now. Anyways, I'm going to go be with my family, you know? Yeah. Well, this movie isn't as nihilistic as other films are. Other films in these situations are like, if you look at like the George Romero, like living dead movies or dead movies, I should say, they, they have a much more nihilistic approach to the military. Like, it of course it was a different time but but you know you look at it as or they 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 took it as people are going to be abandoning their posts all over the place and this movie is a little bit more hopeful in that they would stay they would stay oh, there's so many other things in this movie that are more hopeful than you know than mm-hmm. something like you know day of the dead or night of the living dead or something or not the night of the living dead they didn't deal with that but like dawn of the dead so that mean so it kind of goes along with that. And I think that that's a product of the time too. I mean, we live in kind of more hopeful times than the 1980s. There was a lot of weird shit going on in the eighties that, you know, nuclear war looming and all this other stuff that, and a distrust of the military that, that kind of colored the way that the military was portrayed in the eighties in the seventies, you know, mm-hmm. it's that post-Vietnam, it's that post-Vietnam funk that we were in as a nation with the military. And when you look at post 9-11, actually not even post 9-11, post post Gulf, post Gulf war one, we had a different outlook about our military after that first Gulf war. Sure. That makes sense. 91. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. there, I think that they're treated a little bit more respectfully in film now than they were in the eighties and the seventies. So, yeah. I think this was also realistic in the way that it portrayed like communication systems not being as reliable in the end times. You know, stuff is 
getting hit with like, you know, space debris and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And so Mm -hmm. like, sometimes the texting would work. Sometimes it wouldn't. Sometimes the phones would work. Sometimes they wouldn't. Even when he got a hold of her, it didn't last and it wasn't a good connection. And so they didn't get to speak to each other. So like, as all this other stuff is breaking down, you're seeing like this technology kind of betraying people. Right. And it even goes so far as to really illustrate for us that, that a, a handwritten note does the job that these expensive, you know, $1,500 cell phones can't do mm-hmm. conveys a message to John. Right. So it felt like, it felt kind of like commentary on how we're just too reliant on technology almost. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's what he's going for, but that's kind of the way it came off to me. Well, that makes sense. I mean, it's one of the things you're going to think about, you know, in something like that is how would you communicate, you know, how are you going to meet back up with somebody if you get separated, right. you know, right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I didn't understand is eventually, you know, is it John? That's the husband. Yes. Eventually John comes to understand the same thing that Allison and Nathan understand is that, and that is that they are not getting into these bunkers through the normal means. The bracelets that they're wearing are worse are worthless, right? To them. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't they use those to barter? The scene where Roy from the office tries to kidnap or does kidnap Nathan, right? All he really wanted was to be able to get on the base, right? Mm -hmm. He he frames it as I'm going to make sure your kid's safe. But really, he's just using the kid to try and get on the base and get on a plane. He's trying mm-hmm. to save his own bacon. He, he's he's this character who's disguised as the good guy, but he's really a bad guy. And you can see it the way they frame him, too, because most of the time when he's interacting with Allison, his face is on the right-hand side of the screen, which, again, villains on the right-hand side of the screen more often than not. When he's by himself, he's either center or center or left, but most of the time he's on the right when he's dealing with Allison. So it's given away right away that he is not who he seems. He's not a good guy. Barter with him. Say, look, you want the bracelet? Take the bracelet. Leave me my kid. You don't need him. You take the two bracelets and go. Mm-hmm. You know, you be Nathan, you be Allison. Go, get out. Right? Yeah. John could have used this as well. The one guy wants his bracelet. John knows that he can't use the bracelet anymore. It's of no right. use to him. Why have this fight scene? It's a completely unnecessary fight scene. So this is a qualm I have. They don't need to have a fight scene. It's it, it feels out of place in this movie, honestly. With all the carnage and all the other craziness that's going on, a fist fight seems out of place in this movie. Yeah, I agree. I I mean, I think that whole scene was just supposed to show the good and evil that's happening. You've got the guy who's inviting him up to go to go up to Greenland with him, and of course, he ends up dying. And then you've right. got the other guy. So I think in that one scene they're really trying to show both sides of human nature coming out here. I think it's, <laughs> and I might get skewered for this, but I think it's supposed to be a political commentary. Oh yeah. Yeah, I do. Because the one dude is asking him, where are you from? He's like, I'm from Atlanta. He's like, no, 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 no. Let's try this again. Where are you from? I know you have an accent. I know you're not American. So where are you from? Right. It's this xenophobia 
that they've got going on there, right? And I think it would have played a little differently if Gerard Butler's character had been played by an actor of color. You would have had a stronger, there would have been a stronger message there. The America First guy tried to kill him and take his bracelet, and the person of color tried to help him get to, you know, this other area. Okay. So that's, that's how it came off to me. Okay. I thought, it, I thought it was effective. I think that if you had made him, I think if you had made the character Hispanic, if John was Hispanic, this would have been a much stronger message than it was. I honestly feel like the reason that he got cast in this movie is because the director had worked with him in Angel Has Fallen and he, he didn't have an accent. He didn't have a Scottish accent in that movie. I think they told them to use the Scottish accent because they needed a reason for the America first guy to be like, Hey, give me your bracelet. You're a foreigner, you know? Okay. Small quibble and not even, not even related to just this movie, but I have a, I have this question. It's not even a quibble. It's a question. Why does no one ever, ever in any movie that I've ever seen, why does no one ever have a case on their damn phone those things are expensive why don't you have a case on your phone (laughs) they have insurance they're fine sure (laughs) sure i have had look my phone i've had my phone and it's out of its case in my hand and i've always been worried i was going to drop it because it's so slippery it's so like slick right yeah get a case so that i at least have like a grip okay i'm setting that aside but you know (laughs) anyway so I was, I was rooting for the kid when he was like, these aren't my parents. I loved that the kid was like, F you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. I was kind of wondering if the kid was going to go with it or what. And I, I'm glad he spoke up and yeah, yeah. got out of that situation. So, and of course the airmen believe him. They're like, yeah, okay. We, we get it. Come here, kid. Mm-hmm. You know? And then, and Roy and his new wife get arrested. Good. F you Roy. i thought at the end and i don't know why i thought they were not going to make it interesting i i didn't think they were going to make it and i was almost a little disappointed that they did which is weird for me because i am always the happy ending type person wow that's dark honey that is dark jen (laughs) but i felt like it would have been more realistic because the odds of them actually making it are astronomical. And I don't know. I, I, it wasn't that I hope to see people die. That's not what it was at all. But I just, they really had me going with, I don't think they're going to make it. I mean, I'm glad they did. Yeah. You know, I think, but I was a little disappointed though. I, I don't know. I think it would have, I think it would have shifted this movie this movie's tone. I said that this movie is kind of hopeful, right? Earlier mm-hmm. on, I said this movie's kind of hopeful. It's not hopeful until the end. Let's be completely honest with that. This movie is very dark. It's very, it's tough. It's a tough uh, movie to like barrel through. You know what I mean? Like it, there's, there's hard things going on. There's stuff that you're seeing that, you know, that make it tough. There's emotional stuff that, you know, with the kid, there's emotional stuff with the dad and having that uptick of hope at the end is important, I think. I think it is too. And let me 
clarify just a little bit. It wasn't yeah. that I thought all of them weren't going to make it. I, I, I thought at least one or two of them maybe wouldn't make it. Do you think it was going to be the kid that made it and the parents didn't or something? Yeah. Maybe the kid made yeah. it or maybe mom and the kid made it, you know, one, one of those two things, but I didn't think all three of them would get there. How do you make a sequel if you don't have all three of them? Well, if you have one or two of them, you can make it off of that. I, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose you could. Now, or you could do a sequel and not even have it about them, but have it about a new set of survivors. People hate that crap. They want to see Gerard Butler do the same thing over and over again. You know that. I know, but it's possible you can still make a good movie and just change out the people. So yeah, okay. I 100% okay. agree with that. I absolutely <laughs> agree with that. But you know, you know where I'm coming from with that. People just want to see the same thing over and over again. Look at, look at Ghostbusters afterlife. They just want the same thing over and over again. They just want more of the same, more of the same, more of the same. Don't change it more of the same. Look what happened with Halloween three. When they changed it, people were like, F you, we're not watching. Well, that's this. because this Halloween three was terrible. It was not. It just didn't have Michael Myers in it. Uh, well, Tony, well, okay. we call it Halloween look, three then. <laughs> look, we'll, 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 we'll come to that again. I, you know what? This Halloween, we're going to talk. We're going to, I think we're going to have to do, Horror movies that nobody wanted, but somebody loves. That's what we should do. We should do a, a like a little mini series of that. I feel like this is going to be one of those Richard picks these movies he knows I'm going to hate. <laughs> well, this will be like me making you watch The Happening and me making you watch Halloween 3. And Okay, I so I protest. So back to this flick. One, the, the I want to talk about that ending, okay? I want to okay. talk yep. about the end. I was with this movie. I was with this movie 100%. And at the end, they kind of stumble and they fall. Because how did they get into the bunker? They were not on an official military aircraft. They crashed. There were a bunch of people just wandering around in the wilderness. And these folks took them in for what? After all this time, after all this setup of we have to follow the rules. We can't let him on the plane. You guys are going to have to go. Sorry, I understand where you're coming from because I'm in the same boat, but you have to go. I hate to have given you the false hope, blah, 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 right? But they make it into the bunker along with everybody else that was being smuggled from Canada. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make a lick of sense. And this is where it stumbles. This is where it falls down. Yeah, I mean, I took it as they still had room and they were just trying to get whoever was out there in yet and, and down in there. They wouldn't have Why? had time to check people if they were healthy or not. I mean, they wouldn't have been able to do that because everything was rush, rush, rush at that point. Okay. I get Fair. what you're saying, though, because you would have limited supplies down in this bunker because you don't know how long you're going to be there. There's only so much and so many people that can be in there. How do you know you haven't just accidentally gone over that count? Mm -hmm. I get what you're saying, though. And, and also, the other thing is, why would you risk everybody in that bunker to save the, what, 12 to 15 people that they're running from the plane? They risked yeah, everybody know. in that bunker. They made it very clear that they had they were trying to get that door closed as that, that shockwave was hitting. You yeah. know, that was abundantly clear. Why would you have risked the thousands of people that were in that bunker for a handful of people that you don't even know if they belong there. You don't even know after all this time, after all the time that you've spent setting up that the military is doing what they have to do, they are following the rules. They're doing everything that they need to do to ensure the survival of humanity. Now they're going to not just one person. It's not like one person was like, all right, coming through this back door and we'll get you settled in. Right. 
this was, we're going to keep the bay doors open and we're just going to get as many people in here as we can. Just stuff them in. Hey, move back. There's still a little space. That doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. And I feel like that's where the movie really stumbles. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a problem with the little hopeful thing at the end where they open the doors and like, oh, the air is clearing up and we can see the, you know, we can see the, we got work to do, but we're, we're alive and we can kind of repopulate and blah, blah, blah. I don't have a problem with that. Lots of movies have done that. Deep Impact did that. I didn't have a problem with it at that point. But, well, not not the whole opening of a bay door or whatever, but like they did the whole hopeful thing at the end. I really had a problem with the fact that they made it into that bunker. I really did. Had a problem so yours, your problem with it was that they shouldn't have made it because the military shouldn't have let them in. They didn't stick the landing. They're not consistent yeah. with what they okay. were telling us the rest okay. of the movie. Yeah. Maybe that's why I was a little disappointed too. I don't know. Like I said, I couldn't really pinpoint why I was like, oh, okay, they made it. Well, I didn't think they were going to make it, but right. maybe it has something to do with that too. I don't know. I haven't thought about it too much really. I mean, this whole movie, the whole way, the whole time that they're like moving and, you know, trying to get to, you know, get to Greenland once they find mm-hmm. out that that Greenland, sorry. Once they find out that Greenland is the place that they need to be, they're trying to get there and the whole time they're doing it, I'm thinking to myself, what are you going to do when they get there? What are they going to do when they get there? They can't get in. Yeah. And yet by some miracle, they get in. Well, two, they didn't know for sure that Greenland was the place that everything was at. I mean, it was speculation that that's where some of the bunkers were at was Greenland. Right. Right. Well, it, so they yeah. could have gotten there and there been nothing. I sure. mean, I was anticipating maybe something like that happening too is they get there and there's nothing there that changes this entirely right like that makes this into a you know you shouldn't believe everything you read on the internet (laughs) (laughs) kind of story right like this is a a, hey just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's doesn't mean it's true some guy in a pickup truck told you that doesn't mean it's true right yeah Yeah. (laughs) you have anything else to go over no not really I, i really wanted to make sure that i mentioned that that it didn't stick the landing okay because i think that I think that's important. Oh, wait, you know what? Let me just say one other silly thing that I noticed. And I noticed this about other movies that I, that I, that I watch. Why is it so hard for Hollywood people, Hollywood casting directors to get actual newscasters to do the news stuff in their movies? Why is that so difficult? You don't, because what you always get, you always get an actor playing a newscaster. And so it's their interpretation of a newscaster. So like, this is how I, when I embody this newscaster's role, this is how I interpret the way that he would read the news. And I'm like, no, no, no. Re- no. Newscasters read the news in one way. And that is it. And they don't sound authentic when they do it the other way. Get newscasters out there. They're going to sound, just make them do what they normally do. Give them the script, put it on a teleprompter and just film it. That's all you got to do. Every newscaster on every movie, they always sound like an actor playing a newscaster instead of a newscaster that pulls me out every time every time pulls me out <laughs> but that's neither here nor there it's not it's not germane to the themes and story of the film but it's just uh, it's just a little 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 prickly thing for me that like sticks in the back of my head you know so other than that i have no other notes about this movie how about you do you have anything else i don't but i have some trivia here oh my god you have trivia tidbits what do you have So the comet, you are correct. The naming of the comet of Clark is in tribute to the late Arthur C. Clark for the the book Hammer of God. 
Right. Yeah. Because it's about it's it's something similar to this, right? Isn't it about an extinction level event? Right. It's about an impact on Earth of an asteroid. And this book was actually written before Armageddon, before Deep Impact and all those things. So oh, well, um, this yeah. kind of came Clark before all 60s, of that. So. Yeah. It's a 93 novel. It was written in 93. Yeah. Yep. Wow. There, there is a sequel in pre-production right now. It is yeah, called Greenland that. Migration. And it is going to star Gerard Butler and mm-hmm. Morena Baccarin again. Yeah, I heard the director. And, and same director. Too. Yep, same okay. director. Yeah. And then I have a few alternate castings. I actually found some alternate castings. Nice, on something. nice. Okay. Did, did, let me ask you a question. Did this come out in theaters or was this a video on demand movie? This went, this went to video, I believe. Where did it go? Did it go? Or on no, HBO it didn't go Max? to video. It just went on to streaming. Yeah. Was it? Did it go to HBO Max or where did it go? Oh, that I don't know. Not sure. Okay, I'll have to look into that a little bit. I don't know. I didn't. I don't remember catching something like. Fair that. enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. This movie was originally supposed to be directed by Neil Blumkamp. Ooh. Oh, that would have been great. Okay. And Chris Evans was supposed to play John Garrity. That would change a little bit about this. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know what happened, but the director went, I don't know if there was a disagreement or if the director had something else to do, not sure, but they brought in the Rick Roman Waugh. And then after he came on, Chris Evans went off and Gerard Butler came in. And so that's kind of like the switch that happened there. And then- Dale, so Scott Glenn's character, Allison's dad, alternate casting for him was Sam Elliott. Yeah, that makes sense. It seems like a Sam Elliott character. I'm sorry. Let me, let's talk about Scott Glenn for just one quick second. Do you have sure. any idea how old he is? No. I don't know how old he is. I've looked him up. They don't put a birth date. They put a birth date, but they don't put a year. That man could be 93 years old. For all we know, he could be 93 years old. He looked a, he looked like in his late fifties when he puts in when he was in Silence of the Lambs. He was born in nineteen forty two, so he is seventy nine. He's seventy nine years old. Where did you find that? I've looked for this. I googled how old is Scott Glenn. What? <laughs> it's, not on, <laughs> it's not on his IMDb or anything. <laughs> he was born January twenty sixth of nineteen forty two. Okay, and on, on IMDb, it only says January 26th. It doesn't say 1942. Anyway, yeah, he's... he. Oh, here's something interesting. Another post down. It says he was born January 26th of 1939. Thank you. See, this dude... This dude could be any age. We don't know how old he is. We don't know <laughs> how old he is. That's funny. So there's one that says 79, one that says 82. That's fantastic. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> keep I told that you. age of secret, Scott Glenn. You yeah, do you, you keep doing yeah, keep doing your movies too, man. He's good. He's <laughs> always good in whatever he does, you know? Yeah, I enjoy I watching seen, him. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen him in anything bad. Oh, wait, not I, I lied. I've seen I've seen Sucker Punch and he he's not bad in it, but the movie is terrible. Like also <laughs> okay. up yours, up yours, Zack Snyder. Just obligatory up yours, but Zack Snyder. <laughs> oh, all you had to say was he was involved and I would have known you hated that movie. <laughs> 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 Zack Snyder, Michael Bay, right? 
They're, yeah, those, they're the, those are your those are your two triggers. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're the they're the Kristen Stewart and T.J. Miller of the director's set for me, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, no other any other trivia stuff, trivia tidbits. No, that's all I have for this that's, one. That's not bad. That's not bad. Okay, so let's let's talk about it then. Where do you put this? Do you do you keep it? Do you rent it? Do you erase it? I think I would put this as a rent. I don't think it's a terrible movie. I don't think it's worth erasing. Right. But I also think it has some flaws. I don't know that I would buy it and put it on our shelf. But I think maybe in a couple years, I might watch it again. I'd I'd maybe pull it out and watch it again. Okay. Okay. So lately, I've been trying to figure out how I want to categorize these these things, right? These keeps, these rents, these returns. And, and I've settled on a couple of times I've settled on, do I want to hear more about the making of this film? Do I want to hear more from the director? Do I want to hear more from the actors, the writer, something like that? And typically those types of things are found on physical media, DVDs, and in some cases the digital media, but more often than not, like the, the movies, the DVDs or the you know 4Ks or whatever. Do I want to know more about this movie? I'm going to say no. But again, like you, I don't think this is bad enough to erase. I think this is a fairly middle-of-the-road flick. If, if they had stuck the landing, if the ending had been consistent with the rest of the storytelling, I think this would have been a keeper for me. So they just missed it by like that much? I don't think they leaned enough into the nihilistic tone of the early part of this movie. And to have it have that uptick of hope at the end, while not a horrible decision, the way they did it, I think really just kind of really kind of sinks it down into that rental category for me. So I'm going to go with rent. It is a fun flick to watch in as much as you can have fun watching the world end, but it's, it's a, it's a decent watch. It's a decent watch. Give it a try if you're looking for something to watch on a Sunday afternoon someday. Agreed. So there we have it. Like, well, well, I mean, we that it wasn't a bad flick, right? Like, I really, I, I, I don't watch think it was bad. I, I would, I, don't I would think watch it, was. it again. Yeah, I would watch it again. I don't know that I would keep it because I don't care to hear. Although, you know, at some point, I'd love to hear something like, "Why did you? Why did they get in at the end?" What was your thinking there? What was the, but that's not the kind of thing that they would put on a commentary, right? They'd just you be know, talking about. The other thing too, that might make a difference is because we know they're making a second one. How does the second one interact into this one, you know, and is it a good continuation of the story or not? Sure. I, I still think this would still land in a rent for me, but who knows if the second one is fantastic and it tells a whole complete story you know, maybe it might move up to a keeper if it's a good, you know, series. That's, that's true. That's that, that's that Ghostbusters afterlife uh, argument where, you know, it was a renter for me until, uh, well, let's see what they do. Let's see where they go with this, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, I would totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. All right. So uh, what, what are we doing next? All right. I'm super excited for next week. Why? What's next it week? is. The Fantastic Beast, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So 
folks, here's the thing. I nerd out about a lot of things. I've got comic books. I've got movies. I've got certain books, video games. Jen nerds out about Harry Potter and the wizarding world of Harry Potter. This is not to say she doesn't nerd out about other things, but the way that she reacts to those other things or to, to, excuse me, to Harry Potter and the wizarding world is the way that I react to like video games and comics and stuff like that. Like I get super excited when Wolverine's got a new uniform or something, <laughs> right? Like this, this is Jen's, this is, this is your show, man. You, uh, okay. So that Harry Potter and the, and, or not Harry Potter. It's, it's fantastic. Fantastic beast. The secrets of Dumbledore secrets of Dumbledore. Yep. So I'm going to have to go back now and watch the first two. I don't know how they're all going to interrelate. Not sure, but I am going to go back and watch the first two anyway. So I want to know how in like 20 something years or 40 something years, he went from like wearing a business suit, clean cropped hair (laughs) to like ultra hippie old guy, right? This is like an Obi-Wan Kenobi transformation where he goes from like Ewan McGregor to freaking Alec Guinness in the span of 20 years. I think this is something we need to talk about maybe next week, but I do agree. They do have some slip ups and continuity between the things, but I am a hundred percent willing to overlook that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Well, Well said. Well said. All right. So we'll see you next week here on the couch for the third fantastic beasts flick. Woo. Bye. Thank you for listening to A View from the Couch. We value your feedback. Please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your preferred podcast listening app. You can reach us on Facebook by searching at A View from the Couch, on Twitter at View underscore Couch, or by emailing us at aviewfromthecouch at yahoo.com. Thanks again for listening. Bye. See ya.